right, what's up, everybody, and welcome in to Pace the Nation. We are back from a long way off, broadcasting from our brand new studios, the Podville Media Studios here in Washington, D.C., and downtown Washington, D.C., in our nation's capital. I'm your host, Chris Farley, back again for another great episode of Pace the Nation. Alongside me, my co-host, my wife, Julie Cully. Julie, what's up? So does this mean we've made it? We, I don't know. <laughs> this uh, looks we, a little different yeah. than Studio 1A. Yeah, we'll have to send out some pictures when this podcast comes out. We are back better than ever. We've graduated out of our parents' garage, I'd say. Okay. I got to thank... Uh, Your parents or my parents? <laughs> either. <laughs> I got to thank the folks at Podville Media Studios. We've got a great producer behind the glass there. Rob is helping us out. Our buddy... Oscar Santana is really the mastermind behind Podville Media Studios. So he's helped us. We got Brittany. We've got a whole team of people who are helping us now and are really excited about this new chapter of Pace the Nation. Yeah, let's hope that we don't disappoint here. So <laughs> Yeah, so, so a couple of changes real quick to let the audience know. We're going to have shorter shows. Oh, so that's a relief for me. I don't know about the viewers, <laughs> but that's a relief for me. <laughs> less of me kind of yapping away. Okay. okay? So right. le- less of that. We'll be the hosts for the most part. You know, we may have some guest hosts come in and out, but you and I will be the standard hosts. And we're going to have the same great guests. We're going to have the same great conversations with the guests, but it's going to be a new show, a little bit more professional, I guess, is really what I'd like to say. A little more dialed in, I would yeah. say, instead yeah. of the long lengthy rants that yeah. seem to happen. But I don't know. Some of that character is what brings yeah. our right. show to so, life. So real quick, before we get to our guests, I'm really excited about our guest today. One quick rant. We had a little trouble getting here today. So that doesn't change. I thought we were over on Wisconsin Avenue. We were actually on M Street. You and I are driving together. Something that hasn't changed yeah. since the start of our hiatus is that you have not graduated out of being directionally challenged. Right. So I'm completely directionally challenged. I'm like calling Oscar. Oscar is like in the middle of the show. Oscar's an important guy. He's in the (laughs) middle of a show. He's like, I can't talk. What's going on? I'm like, Wisconsin, M Street. I don't know. And you know where- You're like Northwest, Southwest, Southeast. I don't know where I'm going. Do you know where the directions actually were? They were in the invite that Brittany sent. In the place they should have been. Exactly where they should have been. Yep. So, you know what? I just got to get used to this more uh, professional setup. Yeah. But it's a really exciting day for Pace the Nation. Excited about our first guest. We've got an incredible first guest, someone who's near and dear to my heart, the director of track and field at the University of Virginia. I'm not sure if that's the title that's supposed to come first. Yeah. Is that the title that's supposed to come first? He, He's also the president of USA Track well, and Field. Well, in my world. It's, in your heart. Yeah. We don't ever want to get away from this yeah. being about you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Another thing that doesn't change about the show. But we're excited to be joined. He is the president of the USA Track and Field. He is also the director of Track and Field and Cross Country at the University of Virginia. Next up, our first guest in the Podville Media Studios. It's Coach Vin Lanana joins us next here on Pace Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Julie, we are excited to be joined by the director of track and field at the University of Virginia. He's also the president of the United States Track and Field Association. It's Coach Vin Lanana. Coach, how are you? Just fine. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man. Thank you so much for joining us. We can see you on the screen here, and I see the Charlottesville beautiful background. 
I miss Charlottesville. How is it to be in Charlottesville, Coach? Well, most of my time has been spent in the house. Yeah. <laughs> but what I've seen of Charlottesville, it's fabulous, fantastic. Charlottesville, of course, our audience knows I went to University of Virginia for four years. How could they forget, Chris? The best four years of my life. Other than our marriage, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's like six years. So Right. That's true. But yeah, Charlottesville is a beautiful place. I can't wait till you can get out and enjoy all that it has to offer. So you've been there since September of 2019, Coach. Overall, outside of living in Charlottesville and the COVID era, what's it been like being the director of track and field for the University of Virginia? Yeah, it's really been exciting. The athletes are incredibly smart. They are interesting. They are hardworking and really dedicated to mastering their craft. So it's been really good. Great athletic department, something really special. Lots of good coaches, great kids, and a beautiful environment. Yeah. And you've been at a lot of big programs as the director of track and cross country. Why did you choose, you know, to come across the country from the other side in Oregon to come to Charlottesville, to come to University of Virginia back in September of 2019? Basically, Carla Williams, the athletic director, she was fantastic from my first conversation with her to the day I arrived to right now. She's been an incredible leader. I've been fortunate to be around really good people, and she's one of the best. Coach, you had so much success at Dartmouth, then on to Stanford, then Oberlin, then Oregon track and field, and you took a little time away from directing collegiate programs. What made you want to come back into the scene? You were working for Tracktown USA. You were becoming president of USA Track and Field. You shocked the country (laughs) when you decided to come into this space again. What's kind of left remaining for you in terms of this next chapter? You know, I returned back to really what was most exciting for me, and that was my coaching days. You know, you mentioned them all, and I was going down the road of administration. And then when I went to Oregon and we started doing these really exciting things like bringing the world championships and for the juniors and the indoors, and I found that those are really, really exciting, invigorating things. But in the end, at the core, I think where I'm most comfortable and where I'm most excited is working with the student athletes in a collegiate environment. Wow. So are you saying I stepped away from director's role (laughs) and coaching role like six months ago? Does that mean I'm not done yet? Is it just going to come back and bite me soon? I, 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 yes. Yes. The answer answer is absolutely. All right. Um, One of the things I'm really excited about that you've already done in your short time there is you're bringing big events to Charlottesville, to the University of Virginia, including the NCAA Cross Country Nationals in the fall of 2023, which is super exciting. Can you uh, talk about that? Well, XC23 is going to be something really special. I think that in every place I've been, we've tried to create some kind of signature event, like the Olympic trials in Eugene in 2008. We kind of went after that right away. We started big meets at Stanford. We had the Dartmouth relays. And I felt that one of the things that is so special, my first look at Panorama Farms, and I thought, what a phenomenal place to have a collegiate national championship. So we worked hard, got a lot of good people on board, and we put the bid together. And what's that process like? Were you up against a number of other strong bids? You know, what they did was they, the NCAA, they put out a bid process and it essentially captures four years. And we had the opportunity to bid for 
spending for the four years going up until 2024. And we looked at the schedules here, the different athletic programs and teams, and we thought the 23 would be perfect. There's no home football game, which would be a problem for right. hotels. Yep, yep. <laughs> and we got Steve Murray over at Panorama, really excited about it. And we put the team together and they did a great presentation with a drone and went through the entire course and we presented it to the NCA committee. And that was it. Well, wow. Julie, I know you, when you were at Georgetown, you had your kids race there a couple times. It's a beautiful place to run. And I urge people who are listening, mark your calendars. It's not too early. Fall of 2023. Well, it's it's kind of December-ish. What time frame is it? End of November. End of November yeah. of 2023. Yeah. But if this is a Vinlanana production, this is going to be a different type of NCAA championship. So are there any elements that you're bringing to this event that's a little bit different than we've seen before? We have a phenomenal local organizing committee that will be chaired by none other than Carla Williams, our athletic director. We will have Katie Ryan, the president's wife. She will be one of our co-chairs and a local radio station celebrity in Jay James. The three of them have put together a good organizing committee. So we have some very exciting plans ahead where we expect the entire community to own this event from when the student athletes arrive in their airport, when they arrive in Charlottesville to the moment they leave. Nice. Be something special. That's wow. very, very cool. As soon as we booked Vin this past weekend, I thought to myself, man, we should get online and see if we can book hotels know, for the event. But I think <laughs> yeah. we're a little too early. Two and a half years, a little too early. Well, that's super exciting. There's a lot of great stuff going on at the University of Virginia. But on top of that, meanwhile, you are also the president of the USA Track and Field Association. And this is a big year, obviously. The Olympics, are the Olympics going to happen, Vin? I think so. I think there's too much invested in it. I think it will happen. I think it will be different, but I do think that the Olympics will happen. I think Tokyo is going to be fantastic. I was really looking forward to it. It'll be just phenomenal. Exactly what the different protocols will be, et cetera, will influence it. But I think overall, it'll be great. So you're the director, obviously, over there at Virginia, but your role as USATF president, how much time does that take you and how do you balance both? Well, it's really a volunteer position. The president of USA Track and Field is kind of the head of the volunteer sector of the organization. There's a CEO who is full-time and his office, Max Siegel's office, is responsible for the execution of whatever happens with Team USA and youth and masters and long distance running and all of that. That comes out of the national office. Then there's a board of directors, which basically oversees the national office. So the role of the president is really to unify the volunteer sector and get them all moving in the same direction and get all of the parts working so that we can accomplish something pretty special. So the amount of time that it takes, it's a volunteer position. It's a once a month board meeting, and then it's meeting with the various constituencies to keep everybody on the same page. So give us an example of some of the things that you're working on currently, like what's on your plate as USATF president right now? There are really three things, Julie, that I'm most interested in. One is leveraging the world championships that'll happen in the United States for the first time, and how does that move the sport forward? The second is to roll out a 
strategic plan that outlines our golden years, which will be from 2021 all the way through the Olympics in 2028. And then to also take a look at how do we create domestic opportunities for our elite athletes. Those are the three things that I am laser focused on. And that's really to motivate people to be excited about taking advantage of what this next seven years is all about. And the world champs will be in Eugene, like you said, coming to the States here in 2022, which is incredible. And for those listeners who aren't familiar, I mean, the world champs are essentially the Olympics because all the best athletes are competing. It's just without the other sports. Is that a fair, you know, kind of assessment of what the world champs are? Yeah, I think it's clearly the same Olympic athletes. It's 213 countries that will participate and it'll be the culmination of the track and field year, the culmination of all of the athletes. It just happens to be that they'll be coming off the Olympic Games in 21 and getting prepared for 24 in Paris. So it's all the best track and field athletes in the world will join together in a phenomenal stadium. And I couldn't be more excited about the opportunity for us to host. Yeah. And let's talk about that stadium. So we just mentioned in 2022, but before 2022 happens, and you're on record here saying that there will be an Olympic game. So there will, <laughs> so there's obviously going to be an Olympic trials at this new Hayward Field. Tell us about this new Hayward Field in Eugene, Oregon, and your involvement in making it come to life. Well, I think that there was really a perfect example of it takes a, a village to build something and create something really exciting. Tracktown USA, as Eugene and the state of Oregon is typically recognized, has had so many great events and the facility really needed a facelift. It had been a hundred years old. It was made of wood. All the facilities were really outdated and it was structurally not ready for prime time. Right, right. So one of the things that we did was we created the vision and then we turned it over to the experts who can really put it together. Howard Slusher led that process and he's worked with Nike and Phil Knight specifically to put together the plan. They hired good architects and contractors, and we created the vision and they executed on it. How many years in the making was building this? Well, the building itself, it really wasn't that long. It was probably 10 months. Okay. But the buildup to that <laughs> right. was a long time, probably four or five years. Our local organizing committee was granted the world championships in 2014 in November. So seven years. Wow. My goodness. Well, it was a special place, the previous Hayward Field. I mean, I remember there in 2012, Julie had a special moment there. The place was literally rocking. So for those who don't know, I mean, there's the place could seat maybe 20,000 people. It was a raucous crowd always. Will this new Hayward Field be the same? Can it live up to what the old Hayward Field was? I think it will surpass it. Oh, really? Nice. Uh, I think that what made Hayward Field so wonderful was the people. And it was the fantastic athletes, the effort that people put into it, and then the appreciation of the crowd and the connection between the athletes and the spectators. That is Tracktown USA. And I think that the stadium will have all of the cool elements, two gigantic video boards, individual seats as wow. opposed to wooden seats. Right. The speaking system, the entrance, it's like, think of it as a Broadway production. Nice. <laughs> and that's what I think that you'll see. And, and the athletes, 
I have no doubt that the athletes will perform beautifully, and I have no doubt that the spectators will appreciate them. How much of those five years was dedicated to building public support? Because you lived in Eugene, right? And so I think the baseline that you said was the fans and the people that show up. There was resistance to this in the beginning. Hmm. And, you know, all of us who had the opportunity to compete there and had been a part of Eugene 2008, Eugene 2012, Eugene 2016, it was such an amazing experience. But Gosh, I think now I'm like, I'm so jealous of these athletes <laughs> getting to compete in this incredible stadium. What was it like trying to turn that public support or was that a big part of that initiative? Of course, anytime you change something from a historic venue, you know, when you change Yankee Stadium mm -hmm. or you yeah. upgrade Wrigley Field or you do some really exciting things or even Carnegie Hall for that mm -hmm. matter. Mm -hmm. I think, of course, there's going to be resistance. But I think once people really saw the rollout of it and really saw what the improvements were going to be from a spectator experience. And as long as we captured the magic of Hayward Field and we could convince people that the stands were going to be just as close, we <laughs> added a lane. What I would say is this, once we were able to really lay out that the person running in lane nine's perspiration would actually splash onto the person <laughs> in the first row. I think they covered it. Well, I know you'll be there in 2021. In March, you had one of your athletes, a Virginia athlete, an 800-meter runner, qualify. You know, and you'll probably have other athletes. A million other responsibilities. A million yeah. other responsibilities. <laughs> What's it going to be like for those of us who want to be there in 2021 and watch the Olympic trials, the Olympic track trials? They have a phenomenal local organizing committee. Michael Riley is the CEO of Tracktown. He took the reins from me. Michael worked with me for 26 years. He has assembled a great team. And I think that one's experience in the stands will, some of it will be based upon what does the CDC say and what does the state of Oregon say. But I think the experience will be phenomenal. I think by time June rolls along, I think things will loosen up. Hopefully the vaccine rolls out and the state of Oregon will allow a large number of spectators. I think the experience of the spectators who can get into Hayward will be something special. Now, you're not working directly with Tracktown USA, but I'm sure that you're in constant communication with them. Are there activations outside the stadium? We've had a lot of those in the past that have been absolutely fantastic. You know, a great complimentary experience to what's happening inside the stadium. Is there a plan for that right now? Or is everything kind of just rolling as the guidelines are developing? From my understanding, Julie, what the local organizing committee is doing is specifically Tracktown USA in partnership with USA Track and Field and the USOPC. They are planning just as if it would be the same as the Olympic trials in A12 and 16. Now, they can either ratchet it up or ratchet it down depending upon what the spectator experience can be based on safety guidelines. I'm sure that all those groups are in constant communication about what are the things that they can do? What are the social distancing? What are the mask requirements going to be? Remember, the Olympic trials, we're picking the Olympic team, and we have to protect those athletes and make sure that they're in a safe environment to be able to participate. So that'll be number one priority. Then after that, will be all the other cool things that you reference. So I know it continues to change and I think everybody's got COVID fatigue, but I am interested to know if there's been any of these protocols that have negatively impacted some of your athletes' performances. 
I think you hit the nail on the head with COVID fatigue. They and our staff have been tested. I think I had my 44th wow. test yesterday. <laughs> wow. So we're tested twice a week. And I think overall, the goal is to keep everybody safe. Everybody kind of understands that, respects that it is getting a little old. But I think what I've seen, you know, as I look at the NCAAs, both in cross country and indoor track, I think the athletes are so appreciative that the opportunity actually is out there. They're performing really, really well. So as usual, the collegiate system is something spectacular. It's the best in the world. And I think it prepares our student athletes for the next phase. So I'm excited about what could be ahead for us. So I, I think in the end, they will always rise to the occasion. Well, it is a big year for everybody who is a just a on the fringe track fan follows the Olympics. So the Olympics in Tokyo this year, we've talked a little bit about it. Are you optimistic for the USA track and field program, how we're going to do at the 2021 Tokyo Olympics? Absolutely. I think that the U.S. athletes are fully prepared. As I said earlier regarding the NCAA student athletes, I think that our Team USA always rises to the occasion. I'm very confident that we will continue to improve. We won, I think, 31 medals, 32 medals in Rio in 2016. And I believe that our athletes will surpass that this year. Wow. And you were the head men's coach in 2016. Now, who's got that role for the 2021 games? We have two great uh, Olympic coaches. We have Mike Holloway from the University of Florida, and we have Rose Monday, who has been all over the place. And Rose is spectacular as a head coach of women. That's awesome. Well, 32 is a big number, so good luck to Mike and Rose. Well, I think it's going to be really interesting for Team USA, and I think Team USA has an incredible advantage because the U.S. is vaccinating at a higher rate than a lot of countries around the world. And the U.S. has been at the forefront of figuring out how to put on high-performance track meets and getting the NCAA rolling. I mean, it was a hard year. And when things shut down last March, I don't think there was a lot of hope right away. But the amount of competition, the level of competition that we've seen, I mean, Vin, to your point, the athletes have been coming out. And even in the NCAA, it's been such an incredible advantage to have these long periods of training. The athletes haven't had that in the past where they can have concentrated training, big buildups, they can get over injuries. You know, it's been actually a really interesting advantage. Do you see that as an advantage for, you know, the collegians even stepping on the line, vying for some of these positions on the Olympic team this year? Julie, back to your point. That's why you're going to get back into coaching. <laughs> those are great observations. I do think there's those blocks of times that the athletes have spent. If there's any positive to all of the things that we've had to go through with the protocols for COVID, I think we've picked up some really good steps forward and on good ways that we might go forward in terms of training. And I think these big blocks of time have been really good. I think it's forced athletes to think about doing things a little bit differently, how they train, how they prepare, taking advantage of every opportunity in which they compete, as opposed to deciding that some meat is important and others are not important. So I do think that we're going to see some incredible performances at both the Olympic trials, some of the meets that come in the next couple of months. And hopefully that's going to carry over into the Olympics and into the World Championships 22. 
I, for one, am also really excited about the change and the positive momentum that's happening with track and field meets inside the U.S. right now. And I know one of your three roles that you mentioned earlier is improving that athlete experience. And that is something that, you know, as a former professional athlete, we spent a lot of our time overseas, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. But that was mostly because we didn't have the opportunities domestically. There wasn't necessarily the financing and the backing for track and field series over the summertime. That, I think, is really cool to see. So we have USATF has the series that they just announced, which are some really high-level competitions within the U.S. leading into this summer. And then we've had some independent race directors who are uniting and creating series to really promote the sport. So that is a silver lining in this whole COVID situation because we're hopefully building something that will be lasting outside of this pandemic. Agreed. You know, it's, it's kind of made no sense to me for years that all of our athletes would compete here in the, during the collegiate season and the Penn Relays and Drake Relays and some of the other events. And then after the U.S. championship, everybody packed their bags and headed to Europe for two months. And track was out of sight, out of mind. We started again during the football season. So I'm optimistic about it. I still think it's very important that we have meets in the United States during the summertime when the weather conditions are good, when people can be focused on it. And I see some big steps going forward. It has been my really strong push on that because I think that's important for the sustainability of our sport as a whole. All right, Coach, we're going to get you out of here, but you know that Julie and I have a special relationship with Coach Gags. I just want to take a minute because he's been such a great figure in and, our and sport. And he'll also be mad at us if we don't mention know, him on this he'll, podcast. He'll, he's listening to podcasts now. We've got to listen to podcasts. So talk about your bond with Coach Frank Gagliano. It can't help but get emotional when I talk about gags. He and I have been friends for a long time. He's been so important to not just the sport, but to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids of all ages. He's been somebody who's promoted the sport. He's been the collegiate level, post-collegiate level. He started them all. You know, I think that every athlete who's on his list because they send him a Christmas card. <laughs> I think we forgot this year. You'll <laughs> yeah. oh, be off his list yeah. really. <laughs> really quickly here. Yeah, he is a uh, huge figure, and I'm, I appreciate you sharing that. Last thing from me, I, I'd like to ask our, our guests, are you still able to run at all these days? Well. I've been relegated to the Peloton. We just got a Peloton. Nice. <laughs> we'll, ha we'll, we'll have to look for Coach Vin on. I know. I think I'm going to have like to follow him. Sharing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. No, I don't do that. <laughs> no, I, I just I just ride. As a coach, I don't need somebody to motivate me. So I can get on myself. Very boring. Go for an hour every day. A couple thousand days in a row. So Wow. Really? That's incredible. I don't miss a day. That is incredible. So it's the Peloton, couple of thousands. That is incredible. Days in a row. All right, we just that's, that's, that's a pandemic life or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> that's incredible. All right, Coach, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. You got to meet this weekend and everything else going on. It's been a pleasure and a real honor to have you join us on Pace the Nation. Really appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me on, and uh, good to see you guys. Yeah, great to see you. All right, there he goes. That's Coach. Vin Lanana, he's the director of track and field at the University of Virginia and also the president of the USA Track and Field. He joined us on Pace the Nation. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this.
All right, welcome back to the program, and thanks again to our guest today. It was Vin Lanana, Coach Vin Lanana, the Director of Track and Field and Cross Country at the University of Virginia, also the USA Track and Field President. What a great first interview. Well done. Yeah. Well, first really interview fun. in our new studio here. Yeah, it was well, really... first interview for him too. So yeah. Well, Vin's done many interviews. First over interview the years. on Pace the Nation. That's true. We yeah. often have repeat guests. That's so. true. Yeah. Well, we hope to have him again. He got me really excited about what's to come here in 2021 and 2022. He's on the record saying that there is going to be a Tokyo Olympics. Yeah. So I'm holding him to that. Okay. I don't know how you're going to not hold them to right, that. But. Right. Well, that was exciting. The Olympic trials are going to be awesome. You and I are going to be there. So we'll talk about the Olympic trials, you know, in upcoming episodes. I'm sure that'll be a big topic of discussion. But those are a couple of things that really stood out to me. Yeah, I think what really stood out to me was his love of coaching and asking him that question, like, why? Because we're all kind of looking at his career. He's done so much. Yep. And when he was elected president of USA Track and Field, it was like a breath of fresh air because the events and the excitement and all the work that he's done over his career, you know, as a coach, as a director, as an administrator, but then with the different local organizing committees and foundations that he's been a part of creating, you know, you look at him and you think, all right, well, maybe this is next chapter. He's going to help revitalize USA Track and Field. And then out of the blue, it's announced that he is the new director of track and field at Virginia, all of us are thinking to ourselves like, wait, what? What's going on here? Like we thought he had kind of concluded that chapter, but I just found it so fascinating and such a breath of fresh air that it just comes back to coaching. And there's something so natural, like you and I both follow him and the program on social media, seeing him back out there in his coaching gear. I know. It's so natural. It's legit. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really cool to see. So I love hearing that that's what drives him. And and that's been something that's a common theme all throughout his life, because you can see that in all the work that he does. It's been always been about the athletes. It's been about the coaches, the athletes and bettering the sport. I can see a twinkle in your eye. I think he's he's convincing you to go back to coaching. No, 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 no. I mean, you loved that. You loved it. My new gig has been fantastic. Podcasting, your new gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Professional podcasting. Yes, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, great first show. Thanks to uh, Coach Vin Lanana for joining us today on Pace the Nation. Also, big shout outs to Oscar, Shannon, Brittany, of course. Maddie helped set this up on all the folks at Podville Media Studios. Our new home, really excited about our new home. I'm really excited, too, because hopefully you'll be able to figure out how to get yeah, here we'll next get, time. Yeah, we'll get, yeah, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it might course, take a few tries. Yeah. Well, of course, thanks to our guy behind the glass, Rob, who made it all happen. Of course, follow us, as always, at Pace the Nation on Twitter. You can follow runpacers.com. A lot of this podcast material will be on runpacers.com and on social handles on Instagram at runpacers, also on Twitter at runpacers as well. So give all those handles a follow. Again, one more time, big thanks to Vin Lanana for joining us on today's Pace the Nation. All right, Julie, every two weeks now, okay? Every two weeks. Every two weeks. We will be back again in two weeks. All right, for Julie Cully, I'm Chris Farley. This is Pace the Nation. We will see you in two weeks.